Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now. UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Elson, kicking things off for us tonight from a brand new collection of recordings by Charles Stepney, uh, the great producer who worked with the likes of the Dells. Uh, The album is called Step on Step, out on International Anthem, one of my uh, favorite labels. That was Gimme Some Sugar. And a great little piece on Bandcamp Daily, uh, just yesterday actually, uh, under the headline, a new collection of home recordings reveals the genius of Charles Stepney. Uh, so excited to get that uh, album on the air and to uh, delve into his works. 
um, some some unexplored genius. And uh, that leads me to my first guest tonight on the show. I talked to Patrick Haggerty of Lavender Country, who comes to town uh, nearly 50 years after the release of the album Lavender Country. Uh, queer country icon will be playing the West End Cultural Center on September 17th. I had a conversation earlier today. Also on the show, I talked to Nick Friesen, former host here at UMFM, uh, who now works with Resources Assistance for Youth about their concert for eviction prevention happening at the West End next Wednesday. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, a brand new single from Snotty Nose Res Kids. I'm good. Hope you are doing well as we head into this weekend. Stick around here on 101.5 UMFM. Uh, the kids up feeling like a million bucks, ay, ay, catching dubs with a bubble guts, ay, ay, with the fam, now my hand to royal flush, cause I'm good, baby, I said I'm good, baby, baby, talking down on the board, tell them hush, ay, ay, making moves that'll make you double up, ay, ay, with the fam, now my hand to royal flush, cause I'm good, baby, I said I'm good, baby. Style that can't be bitten. Yeah. That's why I never fit in. True. These shoes are hard to fill. Uh. That's why you never fit in. Lil Mama wants some children. Yeah. I want my first million. Honestly, I'm good though. I just wanna know the feeling. Sure, we're shooting, boy, I'm good. I've been rooting for the villain. Trey Young back in the garden. Young boy, stay winning. Making rain jams harden. Why I'm Kyrie Irving chilling. Yeah. And if you try some funny stuff, I'll tell you off the riddance. The world tried to curve us. I want my shot, Moderna. I know you feel my energy. I think I feel the yerba. My mind is out of the world, out of service. At your service And if we never make it Then I guess you don't deserve us This ain't David versus Goliath It's Kenny versus Spenny You thinking I got issues I'll tell you I got plenty Pinching pennies through my 20s To killing this like Kenny After rounds off that Boy I'm good like Danny's I was raised by the hooligans The goonies and the bullies And I've never met a woman That could understand me fully And I usually don't do this But today I bought some jewelry She asked me how I'm paying And I told her baby Google me Buy my foolery, spending money stupidly Look back at who I used to be I'm truly staying true to me This ain't nothing new to me I'm always under scrutiny Killing it and doing me This could be my eulogy My pops could over cancer, see Who are you to cancel me? You do you and I do me But really, who are you to me? And since we're talking truthfully Don't miss your opportunity To really be for real To tell the truth for your community uh, The kids up feeling like a million bucks ay, ay, Catching dubs with a bubble guts ay, ay, With the fam, now my hand to royal flood Cause I'm good, baby. I said I'm good, baby, baby. Talking down on the board, tell them hush, ay, ay. Making moves that'll make you double up, ay, ay. With the fam, now my hand to royal flush. Cause I'm good, baby. I said I'm good, baby. I'm a warrior, hellraiser. Bet the bank, break the bank, thank creator. Like the sage, when I pray, I got haters. To the top, when I pop, beat the braid up, hey, yeah. Love me and love me not. I'm Nietzsche to the max. No Mr. Nice Watch. I'm running on creator's clocks. Craps in the bucket talks. I tell them kicking rocks. Cause my only two wells here been my luscious locks. I'm steady resin. Bad boy like pistons. No lie, my uncle used to call me snotty pistons. I grew up with the freaks and geeks. That circuit do so late. So blame it on my DNA. I hit them with the higher hate. Not forever cause I'm never too much. I do just what I does. And you just blow my buzz. Ay. Man, it's a shame. My own people do me greasy. See, I ain't never rockin' Gucci, but I'm Gucci, my Nietzsche, yo, I'm good. Uh, the kids up feeling like a million bucks, ay, ay, catching dubs with a bubble guts, ay, ay, with the fam, now my hand to royal flush, cause I'm good, baby, I said I'm good, baby, baby, talking down on the board, tell them hush, ay, ay, making moves that'll make you double up, ay, ay, with the fam, now my hand to royal flush, cause I'm good, baby, I said I'm good, baby, baby. 
Well, it is a show decades in the making. Saturday, September 17th at the West End Cultural Center, Lavender Country, an album that was originally released in 1973, the brainchild of Patrick Haggerty, who joins us on the line. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Hi. Glad to be here. Uh, excited to have you coming to Winnipeg. This is a, a show brought to us by uh, Pride Winnipeg, the uh, the festival and, and organization. Um, and you're you're a trailblazer in the, in the the queer community in the in the Pride world. Um, I have to imagine you releasing the album when you did in 1973. The the reception to an album of that sort n- now would be a would be a vastly different experience. Putting this music kind of back out into the world and touring on it, what's that like for you at this point? Uh, I never uh, imagined when we made Lavender Country 50 years ago. Um, 2023 is the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. of Lavender Country's debut. Um when uh, we made Lavender Country, uh, we had to make a stark uh, and very definitive decision, especially me. And the decision was, do I want to go to Nashville, crawl on the closet, and try and get somewhere in country music, which I really had a penchant to do, or did I want to come out and be a gay liberationist and a radical? And uh, there was, uh, the choice was stark. There, the, the division was abrupt. You could do one or the other, but you could not do both. Right. And making Lavender Country uh, poisoned me for any career in in music for decades because I was the guy who did that thing. And uh, some people respected it, but but no uh, aspiring musician would touch me because I was, because I was poisoned. So um, I had spent my whole adult life in that framework. And uh, I lived a life without being involved in country music, without being involved in music pretty much at all, because I had done that thing. And so when uh, Lavender Country came screaming back to life in uh, 2014, um, no one was more shocked than me, and I ended up um, at, the, at the tail end of my life uh, doing something that I never dreamed was possible. So uh, it took me by surprise. <laughs> it took me by surprise. I was amazed that anybody was finally paying attention to Lavender Country. And in the last eight years, um, the trajectory of my life has just completely changed mm-hmm. from what I thought it was going to be. The... So it took it took me by storm. 
understandably. The what led you to country music in the first place? Like, were your parents country music fans? Like, did you grow up in a home where the records were being played? the The music was kind of part of what you listened to. Here, here's what happened with that. Um, my parents were fabulous parents, uh, but they were atonal completely devoid of any kind of musical talent, both of them. Mm. Um, but um, we had a radio in the barn. And, uh, you know, uh, Hank Williams and, you know, the Sons of the Pioneers and all the early 40s and 50s country music was that was what was on the radio. That's what I heard. Right. That's so. Uh, that was my association with country music uh, came uh, through a radio in the barn when I was milking forty cows. So I was. <laughs> was I was it, pretty country. <laughs> was it the songs, uh, like like the melodies or the lyrics or a combination of the two that it, like attracted you to that music? I mean, because obviously it's playing in the background in the barn, and so it sets a tone. But like, it doesn't necessarily suggest you're going to pursue country music in any way. No, it it, it did it didn't, uh, but it it surrounded me. It, it was the music that I heard most of the time. And so uh, it, it, it ingrained itself in me. Uh, my parents, um, I had 10 brothers and sisters. Mm. Uh, yeah, so there was, you know, I grew up like Dolly and Loretta. <laughs> um, uh, my parents... Uh, Figured out who I was at a pretty early age, i.e. queer. Right. And um, they, uh, both of them, but particularly my father, uh, handled me in a very graceful, sensitive, and loving way. And one of the things that that was true about what that was that my, my parents knew I was a ca- catastrophe at farming, <laughs> especially uh, with anything mechanical. And, uh, you know, it, it was a man's world and logging trucks and farmers and hay balers and that whole thing. And I, and I just, I didn't fit in. I didn't fit in at all. And uh, my parents saw that. And they forgave me my trespasses and acknowledged my talents. Mm. And uh, when I was about 10, after I crashed and burned my father's tractor. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I told you I was terrible at mechanics. Uh, it's an interesting story, but maybe for another time. But, yeah, I had a tractor accident. And... uh my father's response to that was to go to town and buy me a guitar with his last $20 mm. and and say, here, 
play this and stay off my equipment. <laughs> you might get a um, you could get a song out of a crash and burn tractor. I feel like yeah, you, there's a song there, all right. Um, but anyway, my parents have respect, uh, unlike a lot of other rural parents in 1955. Yeah. My parents had true true love and respect for me. And, uh, of course, it made a huge difference in who I thought I was. Right. Uh, yeah, so that helped a lot. And the fact that my parents acknowledged that I loved the stage and that I loved show tunes and that I loved girly things um, and that they embraced that and allowed it and made a, a huge difference in my, my, my self-worth, right. my dignity, my uh, integrity. And uh, so that was a huge, my parents were a rare and unusual uh, combination of people who, they, hey, they loved me. It sounds like my you started. Father, my father loved me and it made a huge difference in the trajectory of my life and who I thought I was. Yeah, it sounds like you started from a position of strength in terms of your, your identity, that it was supported in your home. Exactly. Exactly. And I that have to imagine the, that helped when it came time to make the decision to record Lavender Country. That Well, the, here's the thing. Um, it, 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 my mother was wonderful, but it was especially my father who was like a saint, very unusual for his time and place. And uh, he's he's the one who really set me on the path uh, by buying me a guitar when he couldn't sing a note. Playing a musical instrument was like so far out of his world that it, it, was, it was an impossibility. It was something he never would have tried. But he saw the gift in me, and uh, and gave me permission. I mean, I had to work too much, and I didn't have very much time to develop my talent. But he, at least he acknowledged it and encouraged me. And you know, he also knew that I was not going to make it on a hay baler. Right. That wasn't going to work. And so um, he positioned me to aspire to go to college and, uh, and, and do what I did. I, I think his quote was, when you grow up, you've got to get the hell out of this valley or you're going to starve to death. Mm. <laughs> now, now, Patrick... So, you said you had 10 siblings. Where were you in the birth order? Right smack in the middle. Right smack in the middle. Yeah, I was curious yeah. if that prepared you at all in terms of as a songwriter. Because like, a lot of times, you know, where you land kind of s some of the, the behaviors you kind of learn to 
live with to kind of uh, get along with your siblings, you know, if you're in the middle, you're you're kind of play a conciliatory role or like, you know, kind of look up and look down at the same time and whether, you know, those observational skills and, and self-preservation skills within the sibling group helps you as a, as a songwriter and as a, you know, person uh, it, who captures character. It, it, it's an interesting uh, observation. Um, one of the things that was that is true about my birth order um, was that if you wanted to be seen and heard, you had to speak up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that, um, and so I did. Uh, and I did that very uh, successfully. Uh, and I think my birth order had a lot to do with my ability to... Uh, To, to speak up. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, it, it mattered a lot because my older uh, brothers and sisters nurtured me, and I nurtured the ones that were, you know, younger than me. Um, my, I think my youngest brother was born when I was like thirteen. Um, so they showed me how to do that. And then I, I could do that for the younger ones. And it, it, right. it kind of put me in a position where I was skilled at, uh, receiving and giving love. That was a nice gift. Absolutely. It also sounds like as a result of that, you, you came from a place of community and a lot of uh, queer people at the time and still have to like struggle to find their own community. And, and so you, you, you already came out of a, a position of strength or security in that, in that respect. And I have to imagine that made you a more confident songwriter and, and, and person. Oh, as yeah. you entered the world. Uh, especially uh, to, um, be able to write um, queer songs. Mm-hmm. The, 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 I, I had so much uh, license in my family to be who I was. Um, I mean, we're talking about a father who allowed me to wear ballerina outfits at the 4-H camp in 1957. And um, we're, and uh, I ran for a, a student body office that was equivalent to head cheerleader in 1958. And uh, I did all manner of effeminate things mm-hmm. uh, that because my dad said I could. Uh, I like to say the reason that I wrote Lavender Country in 1973 was because my dad said I could. My dad said I could. He gave me a license. He gave me permission to be a sissy. So that gave me incredible self-confidence. And... um I didn't have that. 
I was the biggest sissy in the county, and everybody knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was imbued with such self-confidence from my father that uh, I had a great childhood. I didn't have any trouble being a sissy in my childhood. Uh, I was a popular kid. I was president of everything I ever wanted to be president of. Mm-hmm. I, because my father embraced me and I stood on my flat feet and looked to football players in the eye, uh, everybody bought in. Um, and so I didn't have any trouble being a queer until I grew up and entered the real world and got kicked out of the American Peace Corps in 1966 for being gay. And that's when reality right. <laughs> sunk in. Yeah. But uh, because my the way my parents handled me, I had... Uh, I was very grounded in self-confidence in my femininity, uh, and it made uh, it made uh, Lavender Country possible. There's no way I could have made Lavender Country without my parents. There's, it, it would have been impossible. Right. Now, revisiting this record, you know, like you said, 49 years later, taking it out and, and, and performing it, uh, is it? I mean, I have to imagine there's like edification or gratification that like you're able to do this, but at the same time, some of the the topics that you cover, like you know, social and and working class issues, are still a problem, right? Like in huge, and and t- <laughs> we're, so to like we're say in the like middle of a battle. I was trying to address this half a century ago, and sadly, it's still not been addressed. Well. um, it's coming down to the line. I think that I think the uh, in the states, for sure, uh, the the struggle is emerging clearly. Mm-hmm. Are we going to have a democratic, pluralistic, non-racist, inclusive society? Or are we going to have a white supremacist, Christian fundamentalist, uh, fascist world? And the lines are clear and the lines are stark and the, and the, uh, the battle is on. And uh, the way that I see it is in, <laughs> that we were, people like me were preparing uh the country to uh to duke it out and have this fight and it, now it's up now it's really upon us now the lines are being drawn and we're going into battle mm-hmm. here in the states about what kind of what kind of culture and country we're going to have and the lines are clear and stark and uh all of the the movements the disability rights movements the gay movement the transgender movement the women's movement and particularly and most essentially 
the struggle against racism, uh, it, are, they're all bundled into one veil. And uh, if you're on the right, uh, pretty much you're against all of it. Um, you never hear anyone say, oh, the queers are all right with me, but I don't like black people. That doesn't happen. There, it's all about um, inclusion and human rights for everyone. Mm -hmm. And they don't like any of us. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's, it's intersectional in its uh you know universal hate uh unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's exactly right. You it's a, you you got it. They don't that they're equal opportunity haters. You uh, and they hate everybody that's not white fundamentalist male oriented yeah. Christian. You mentioned preparing for battle. Uh, before I let you go, Patrick, uh, I, I want to get you to pick a battle hymn off of the album, something that uh, you want listeners to hear at the end of this interview. Uh, and if you have a reason why you're picking that song, I'd love to hear that. Well, if if, if, if you're going to pick a battle hymn off of the Lavender Country album, and, you know, I'm, I've made another album uh, lately which got some battle hymn stuff on it. Well, you can pick but something it, off of that, too, if you want, whichever battle hymn you want to choose. I think if I think the uh, best battle hymn is the uh, Walsing World Trilogy. And why do you consider that the best battle hymn? Well, it, 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 it's overtly calls for revolution. Mm. Um, that's, and I'm a... I'm a Marxist, and I was a Marxist when I wrote Lavender Country. And uh, the uh, the Walsing World Trilogy is a description of the uh, discrimination that we were facing as gay men in the 50s and 60s and early 70s. That's what the song is about. It's a very militant song. And it's about getting rid of jailhouses. And it's about uh, slamming mental institutions for doing what they did to us. Mm -hmm. And it's about us being murdered in the street and uh, why we need to rebel. And uh, it's starkly political. And it it overtly screams for a, a a total transformation of society. And this the song ends, uh, rise up and rip this goddamn system down, because there ain't no hope till it tumbles to the ground. I mean... It's right there. That, that's a battle hymn, okay? Yes, indeed. Um, well, it's not necessarily my favorite song, um, but it's the most uh, militant, and um, that's who I am, and uh, it's what I spent my entire adult life 
being is a militant, queer, Marxist revolutionary. Well, we'll give that um, we'll give yeah, that one a listen, and maybe you can reveal your favorite song when you play at the West End Cultural Center on Saturday, September seventeenth. Yeah, I'm sure you'll share yeah. your favorite. I, I, I have. It depends on which way the wind is blowing. Which one is my favorite? All right. I, I love them all for different reasons. Understand. But if you're looking for a battle hymn, you gotta you gotta go to the trilogy. There we go. Well, Patrick, thanks very much for taking some time. Uh, looking forward to seeing you in Winnipeg on the September 17th at the West End. Patrick, thanks very much for your time this morning. You're welcome. A raw manhood, the state hospital's just the place to get one. Now they call him a queer sickie. They hurt him to group therapy. They lock him up at night so he don't escape. And if they hear any gay talk, a sizzle of electroshock keeps his fantasies in fascist shape.
Right before the break, Regina's Nick Fay with Make It Right from his new EP, The Getting Better EP, and Lavender Country with the Waltzing Will trilogy before that from the album Lavender Country. My thanks to Patrick Haggerty for the time earlier today. Uh, got a couple new tracks for you before we talk to Nick Friesen. Uh, yes, We Mystic announced the album Trust Fall, their third and last record, and they just dropped a new single called Sit Down Today. And then from an album coming out next month, uh, Quebec artist Nadine Khoury with uh, the single Vertigo off of Another Life. Uh, some comparisons made to Mazzy Star, amongst others, so that certainly got my attention. Uh, keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM.
Next Wednesday at the West End Cultural Center, the Concert for Eviction Prevention, brought to you by Ray. That's the Resource Assistance for Youth. Nick Friesen, no stranger to UMFM Airways, former host of Jaded and Elated, joins us to talk about it. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks for having me, Michael. Good to see you, buddy. Yes, indeed. So, uh, I mean, I'm familiar with Ray, but brief, brief little kind of synopsis of Ray's work, just in in general, uh, if you can provide it for folks who don't know the organization. Yeah, Ray is Resource Assistance for Youth. Uh, it's been in operation for you know 25 years here in Winnipeg, uh, working out of a uh, drop-in center at 125 Sherbrooke. And uh, over the last few years, we actually opened up a classroom as well uh, on King Street in the Exchange District. The drop-in for street-entrenched youth, 29 and under. And it's also, we've got mental health programs, we've got basic needs set up, um, we've got housing program and we've got our classroom program level up uh which you know it's it's pretty incredible actually michael these you know kids who have uh, come to our drop-in program have kind of you know become known to ray they can apply for this this program uh called level up where they where they get actually paid to be in a classroom setting and they learn the basic life skills and they get work placements that are subsidized by ray and there's just I don't know. I could talk right. All day yeah. No, it's a great organization and certainly something I've yeah. you know <laughs> made donations to in the past. But for folks who are listening who don't know, um, this is the first uh, fundraising concert since 2009. Though first, first kind of like event like this. Uh, so next Wednesday, as I said, concert for eviction prevention. Maybe you can talk about kind of like the the initiative in particular that that this eviction prevention. And was yeah, this something so, like Ray addressed or like identified as something to tackle? Yeah, real quick, I'll just talk about the housing program. Um, so we have a bunch of different programs. We, we do rapid rehousing. We do transitional housing. Um, we work with our participants that are, you know, they, they've got a job. They've got some sort of income where they can actually meet their rent requirements um, so we can help them through a number of different channels, get housing, whether it's in the private market or through one of our, our Ray buildings, uh, that we offer housing at. And, you know, eviction prevention is something that it's, it's not just a, a Winnipeg thing. It's a, it's kind of a worldwide thing where people, uh, for whatever reason, you know, if it's loss of job, loss of income of any kind, or, you know, the, uh, you know, maybe, maybe an issue comes up with the landlord, something like that, whatever it is, there's a million and different uh, situations that could happen uh, where an eviction might be ready to occur. And so, you know, there's various ways that, uh, that at Ray help to subsidize the rent or whatever it is. So, um, I mean, I could go into very, very deep uh, descriptions and things like that, but basically, uh, this is something that people aren't really talking about. And uh, we had a donor who came to us 
and just said, look, I want to help to fund an initiative and uh, maybe it's around eviction prevention. And uh, we all kind of looked at each other and said, yeah, we should do a fundraising concert for that. And that donor uh, is the fine people uh, from the Canadian Tilling Foundation, which is a new charity out of Toronto. And uh, they were just kind of looking at Ray type of places across the country. And they got in touch with us and we pitched this uh, concert. Cause I mean, and I think that the concert that we did in 2009, it was just a weaker than's concert and they donated to Ray to help mm. us fund the, the 125 Sherbrooke street drop-in center uh, because the weaker than's are incredible. Obviously, uh, you know, local hero uh, with all that he does. So yeah, we hadn't ever really put on our own proper fundraising concert. And, you know, I've put on a number of concerts in my day being in bands and mm -hmm. uh, working with other acts. And I think that the West End Cultural Center is the best, if not one of the best venues in the city. And they're right in our neighborhood. So it only made sense uh, that we get a concert going there. Yeah, just down the street on Sherbrooke there from the, the Ray offices. So in terms of yeah. putting the uh, the bill together, was there some thought to kind of people's uh, artistic activism or just kind of what what's the bill you wanted to kind of put together? How did, how did that come about? Well, it's one of those things where like every staff member kind of had an idea, you know? So <laughs> it's, it's then up to me to, as project manager to kind of be like, well, okay, yeah, we could, we could have 50 million, uh, we could have a bunch, we could have everybody and their cousin perform, but we're good. It's our first event, the first of many, I hope. Um, but our, uh, our fearless leader, Kelly Holmes, and she's got a great uh, relationship with Greg McPherson. And I've known Greg from, uh, you know, we've made some music videos and things like that in, in, in a past life. Uh, so obviously Greg McPherson uh, was the first person that we went to, to perform and uh, he was a yes. And then it just kind of started being, well, let's let's kind of put the net out to people that uh, if we're gonna do something like this, I wanna have uh, four or five acts and I wanna kind of do it showcase style. So who are some some people that can do, do a show that is either on their own or with a band or things like that. So to keep it moving, it's, it's gonna be people and their guitars, people uh, and their microphones type of show. So I asked, uh, I'm a big fan of Cassidy Mann and I haven't gotten to work on anything with her yet. And I reached out and she responded almost immediately. Like I'm familiar with Ray. Yeah, I'm down. Um, Cozy Manos and Cozy Manos is uh, an up and coming MC singer rapper uh, who's doing some incredible work and reached out to him. He was down and uh, there was a lot of chatter about someone from Ray performing as well. Um, and Dominic Hodder, who is uh, one of our team leads in the Level Up program, she's going to perform. Uh, so it's going to be, you know, one of those things where it's like, we've got a little bit of Ray, we've got a little bit of the community in there. And, you know, we're going to have uh, a friend of mine, a collaborator of mine, uh, and an incredible talent in her own right, Olivia Rain, uh, is going to be the host for the evening. Uh, she's a comedian, she's an actor. She hosts a podcast called In Trouble for Laughing. I think it's just going to be a really fun night. And it's also going to allow for people to come together uh, that, we, that we haven't. You know, I mean, for a lot of the pandemic, we were hosting our drop-in just at the front doors and people weren't even coming in. So it's only been in the last six months or so that drop-in has even been reopened. 
uh, to the people. So we thought that this would be a good safe way. I mean, the Western Cultural Center still has a mask mandate in place so people can feel safe about coming to this show uh, and learning a little bit about what we do at Ray. People from Ray, uh, many of our staff are gonna be there to answer questions. They're gonna be speaking from the stage and uh, it's gonna be, I don't know, man. It's it's mm-hmm. going to be a fun show. I just wanted to put on a fun show. I hadn't put on a concert in a few years. So. For sure. Uh, so tickets are $20. Uh, I will say we have it uh, on our UMFM Presents page. People can uh, click the link right there to uh, to link through to get tickets. Um, I'm going to, since we've had Greg on the show in the past, he's played live on this show. We're going to play a little live uh, track from Greg uh, for folks to listen to at the end of this interview and give you a little taste of what's in store. Uh, next Wednesday at the Western Cultural Center. Again, it's the Concert for Eviction Prevention, sponsored by Resource Assistance for Youth. Uh, Nick, thanks very much for taking some time, and, and best of luck with this initiative. Thanks so much, buddy. Good talk to you. under the trees we dance close in summer clothes to the music in her heart 
I had music in my head. Said there's nothing in the shade that's not there in the light. Alone in the morning is alone at night. No gentle set of hands to hold me Yeah. 
Yes, they will also be singing in dark times. You can really get that feeling in dark times. Calling that around the world in dark times. Every boy and every girl in dark Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, you just heard Jason Collette with a new single called Dark Times. Before that, some dark music from Russian Circles. Their latest album is Gnosis. Out on Sergeant House, we heard Betrayal. Mobina Galore with Just Went Away. That is live from the Park Theatre, uh, a new live album that they are about to release. Greg McPherson with River Lake from an old UMFM live session that I recorded. And uh, my thanks to Nick Friesen. Uh, from Resource Assistance for Youth. Don't forget that the Concert for Eviction Prevention is next Wednesday at the West End Cultural Center. And then my guest, uh, Patrick Haggerty of Lavender Country, that is West End Cultural Center on Saturday, September 17th. Uh, go to eventbrite.ca or wecc.ca for details, or you can go to UMFM's event calendar as well. Going to pick up the pace a little bit with some electronica as we head in towards After 8 Radio. Royksop back with a new record called Profound Mysteries 2. A lot of collaborations. This one is called Let's Get It Right featuring Astrid S. A new single from Bonobo uh, on his own label with a co-present with Ninja Tune. And then we're going to finish things off with a track called Good Night from Evie and Sweep's Vandalism and Self-Care LP. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week here on Thank God It's Free Range. 